Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 14. The Bible says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou work cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with thy salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous therefore and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If, me, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and, and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Our Heavenly Father, God, as we bow in your presence this morning, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God, that you would help us these next few moments. I pray, Lord, that you would touch every heart. May the will of God be done. Lord, we've met to worship you this morning, and we've met to hear from heaven. And I pray, Father, that we would be sensitive now to the Holy Spirit, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to preach on this subject this morning on the non-essential church. The non-essential church. You know, I, I, did, I came this morning with a different message to preach uh, than what I had preached originally from 9 o'clock. I just don't want to preach the same message at 9 and 11. Uh, I want to stay fresh, but uh, the Lord just dealt with me about preaching this again because I feel like it's something that you don't need to watch. It's something you need to listen to uh, in person because it's a great burden on my heart today. Uh, the word essential is a word that we have heard a lot in the the past few weeks when you think about uh, uh, the, what we've been facing and what we've been through the last several weeks that we've heard about a lot about what is essential and what is non-essential. And the word essential simply means what is very important or what is necessary or something that is fundamental. That's what it means. And uh, if you want to see the, uh, see the mess that our nation is in, all you have to do is look and see how that we live in a day when they would say a liquor store or they would say an abortion clinic is considered to be essential, but yet a church is non-essential. And that really tells you the temperature of where our nation and our country is living at today. Uh, but I want to say when you think about that, I, and I, I just stop and say on the outset of this message here that I'm for safety, I'm for doing everything that we've done because I think it was the right thing to do uh, to this point, and I think we're still doing the right thing, and we'll take precautions and we'll get back on track. I'm for all of that. I understand those that are elderly and sick need to uh, need to stay home until they're until they're better I'm for every bit of that but the problem that I do have is twofold number one I have problems with liberal governors and liberal politicians that want to take one thing and use it to handcuff the church amen and to try to shut down the church and promote their own evil agenda amen I had a couple pastors I talked to uh, just recently that uh, in their state of Virginia and state of North Carolina uh, their governors have done everything 
they can to try to shut the church down. And we were just in conversation uh, talking about what uh, they were saying, what they don't know what they're going to do. I said, well, I'll tell you what I would do if it was in Georgia. I would gather a bunch of preachers together. I'd set a date and I'd go back to church. And if they, uh, they can't put us all in jail, amen. But it's going to come, amen. The time is going to come. Uh, uh, but I want to tell you, uh, we're living in a time when where our politicians today uh, see uh, sin as essential and they see the things of God as non-essential. You know what came to my mind when I thought about that this week? I thought about whose problem, or, 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 or I thought about uh, uh, who's the blame for all that. Is it the politicians or is it the preachers? Because long before politicians had their way, preachers stopped preaching on sin. Is it the people sitting in the pews? Because long before a politician ever stood up and made a, uh, made a demand or a claim that church was non-essential, can I tell you, for the past 22 years of pastoring church, uh, uh, pastoring ch- uh, this church and three years pastoring another church, uh, I've seen people come in and go, not just here but other places, and treat church non-essential long before a politician ever stood up and proclaimed it to be. There's a lot of people that claim to be saved that say, says church is non-essential and pastors that have taken and, and done away with Sunday night services and Wednesday night services. Uh, you know why? Because they feel like it's non-essential anymore. And for years growing up, I would hear preachers make this statement that wonder what would happen to America if 85% of the churches was to close their doors and shut down. I remember hearing preachers make that statement and now we've saw that plus some. And I cannot tell you the answer to that question is what would happen to America if 85% or more of the churches close their doors I'm going to tell you the answer to that absolutely nothing amen because the salt in America for the most part has lost its savor People have treated church so casually. They've tried, I'm not saying everybody, but as a whole in this country, they have treated the house of God and the things of God and the man of God and the word of God so casually for years that, uh, listen, when uh, more than 85% of, the, of our churches has shut down in this nation, do you realize the effect that it has had, the influence uh, that it has had on, on this nation for the most part has been zero? You know why? I'm going to tell you why. Because a lot of churches are just like the church of Laodicea. Not every, church is essential. Can I get a witness? But on the same hand, can I say this? There's a lot of churches that are non-essential. I do not want to be a non-essential church, do you? You say, well, preacher, how do you know a non-essential church? A non-essential church is a church with no separation. Amen. The Bible said, Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I'll be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Amen. Wasn't what the preacher said, but God Almighty said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Come out from this world, be ye separate, saith the Lord. That's God's word. Amen. And he said, Touch not the unclean thing, but for too long our churches have been filthy. They've been dirty with the, with the filth of this world. Uh, they've, let, they've dropped the barriers. They've erased the lines. Uh, they've let the world's system and the world's music uh, and the world's theology and the world's plans uh, and the world's promotion and the world's dress come within the walls of the church uh, and they become non-essential. Brother, we ought to be separate. Amen. 
We ought to look different from this world. We ought to talk different from this world. Our music ought to be different from this world. Our message ought to be different from this world. And when the world sees us, they ought to look at us and say we're strange to them. A non-essential church is no separation. How about no spirit? Amen. The presence of God is gone. Uh, there's no uh, spirit. Uh, uh, the services are four, uh, as dead as 4 o'clock. And, and it's like funeral services. The only difference is there's no body. People are dressed up. They're gathered together. But a lot of sanctuaries have become mortuaries. Uh, and can I tell you, there's no touch of God uh, and breath of God and no wind of God uh, uh, blowing through the services. Uh, no wonder people have left the house of God on Sunday night and Wednesday night. If I had to go sit in that service after service uh, after service, I just soon be on the a creek bank somewhere casting a line I, because if God's not there then we're out of business amen but every time I come to church I, I, want, I look for one thing more than anything else it's not a song and it's not a sermon but it's the presence of God we need God's spirit in the house of God amen I'm telling you when God ain't moving I get worried don't you and I'll be honest with you, when God ain't moving, I really start praying, amen? Because I know we don't take a, a, but a few services like that and you'll bury old-time religion in your church uh, one service at a time. I'm talking about the non-essential church. Uh, no separation, no spirit, amen? They don't know the difference. They're playing church and don't know the difference. If you're where God's at, you know when He's here and you know when He's not here, Amen? I'm, brother, I'm telling you, we need no separation, no spirit. No, the non-essential church is no scriptures. I'm talking about they won't take a stand on the King James Bible. Go to church one Sunday, and you may hear out, out of an NIV this Sunday, an RSV the next Sunday, an ESV the Sunday after that, but there's no stand on the King James Bible. I'm going to tell you, I believe this is the Word of God, don't you? I believe it's in error. I believe it's infallible. In fact, I don't think it's a KJV. It's not a version. I believe it's the KJB. Amen? It's a King James Bible for English-speaking people. Amen? I believe this is the very breath of God that I'll hold in my hand. It'll do when you're dying, but it'll do while you're living. Amen? It'll see you through your darkest trials. It'll see you through the stormy nights of life. It'll help you through the deepest valleys. It'll get you up the next mountaintop. It'll help you with every tear that ever falls from your eye. It'll tell you how to raise your family. It'll tell you how to have a good home. It'll tell you how to take care of your finances. It'll be there to comfort you when nothing else will. It'll be the promise you can hold on to when your world's a crashing in. It's this blessed old book Hallelujah. Brother, I believe in standing on it, fighting for it. And if it ain't King James, it ain't Bible. Ain't that right? But the non-essential church is come as you are, do as you please. Not a message from the Word of God. Don't stand. Every young person needs to know why they believe the King James Bible is the Word of God. You ought to study the history of the King James Bible. And you ought to be familiar with it. You ought to know why your Bible is God's Word. Men gave their life. I'll say the non-essential church, no scripture, no spirit, no separation, no soul winning. Amen. You know when a church gets to the place where they stop evangelizing, they're non-essential. 
Brother, you can have a nice building, you can have Bible preaching, you can have standards, you can have separation, and I'm for every bit of all that stuff I just mentioned. You can come to church and shout every Sunday and have a hoorah time, and I'm for all of that. But if you leave this place uh, and world evangelism is not in our focus, uh, it's supporting missionaries and knocking on doors uh, and reaching the lost and passing out tracts. Uh, listen, we enter to worship, but we leave to serve. Uh, and if we forget all about it Monday through Saturday and come back to church on Sunday and do it all over again. We're not serving our purpose in this life. The church is here to be the light of the world and sinners are not going to come. We're going to have to go after them and get them and bring them to the house of God. Amen. The Great Commission is go. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. I think soul winning ought to be the burden of every one of our hearts. Uh, and the purpose of revival is that we might evangelize the lost and be a witness and be a lie uh, to those that we come in contact with, friends, family members, loved ones, uh, uh, listen, co-workers, neighbors, uh, uh, people that you go to school with, people you do business with. I'm talking about have you told somebody about Jesus this week? Get a burden for somebody. You pass the track out. Say, well, preacher, I'm not good with words. You know what? It doesn't take a whole lot to take a track out of your pocket. And if they're not in your pockets, you probably won't give them. Amen. Brother, keep them in the, in the dash of your car. Keep them in your pocketbook. Amen. Uh, keep them uh, close by. And when you see somebody, give them a gospel track. And hey, listen, when you pull up at that drive through hand them a gospel track. Say, hey, when you get time, will you read this? Uh, or we'd like to invite you to the house of God. There's a message on the back that can change your life for time and eternity. It doesn't take a whole lot of effort to do that. It doesn't take a whole lot of sacrifice to do that. I'm talking about the non-essential church. Uh, it's a church that's in the community that doesn't do anything to outreach with the gospel. And I'm all for humanitarian effort. And I'm telling you if all we do is feed the poor but we don't preach the gospel to the poor then we've missed the mark. Amen. Jesus said the poor you'll have with you always. The non-essential church is a church with no soul winning. How about a church with no shouting? Can I get a witness right there? Everybody don't have to shout but I pray that we keep at least 10 or 15. Don't you? Isn't that right? I mean, listen, I've been to churches up north and out west and they're not going to shout and them people just not been around it. And I, I, I Listen, but, but they're not even dead. I mean, you can go in there and preach and have a time. You say, preacher, how do you preach? Same way there, same way here. Amen. I don't change it because I'm somewhere else. Uh, but you know what? I found out they accept it. They like it. They're not going to take a lap. I mean, I don't expect that. Uh, listen, I was out in one church out in Montana and uh, now they might have come close, had a few cowboys and cowgirls, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, but you know what? They don't get too excited. Uh, uh, but I couldn't help it. I thought, well, I'm going to try to be a little bit reserved. Uh, uh, but the Bible is just too good. Amen. Uh, and a preacher's only got one real gear anyway. Uh, and so you know what? God started blessing. I just turned loose and preached. They didn't get mad about it. He wasn't dead. Man, I hate dead services, don't you? You know what I pray for all three of these services? God, don't let them be dead. Amen. I mean, don't, I don't want to come to church and look at each other. Right? It doesn't matter if there's 550 or 500. We need God, don't we? And a non-essential church uh, is a church where nobody says amen and nobody gets excited. Nobody ever gives a word of testimony. If you raise your hand, they think you want to ask a question uh, because nobody uh, ever gets fired up about the things of God. When's the last time you gave a testimony? When's the last time you got excited about being saved? You know... You don't have to shout. But if the church gets too quiet, it'll die. 
That's a fact. Now, if we come in here and we just started shouting to be shouting, guess what? That's dead too, ain't it? I've been in church, and please forgive me, it's not happened here. Because I believe there's people here who love God. But I have been in services where I wish people would be quiet. Have y'all ever been in one of those? I have, I'm gonna be, I've been in services where I've told people to be quiet because I couldn't think while I was preaching. I'm not talking about shouting, Brother Danny. Ten people could shout right now. It wouldn't bother me a bit. But I'm talking about somebody talking out loud while I'm talking. I mean, you just can't, your mind can't, are y'all with me? Your mind can't comprehend that. You can say amen. There's a reason the Bible said let all the people say amen. Because I can still preach while you're saying amen. Fifty of you can say amen right now. It won't hinder me one bit. But if you try to preach while I'm trying to preach, nobody's going to get nothing done. Amen. I'm telling you, listen, I have been in churches where the shouting wasn't real. It was fake. It was phony. It was worked up, pumped up, primed up. And there was no spirit of God in that. I just seem to go to the house, don't you? It's just dead with a lot of racket. But I'm telling you, I'm not talking necessarily about that. The non essential church uh, is a church my friend uh, where it has been silenced uh, where it has been just put to sleep I don't want that to happen to this next generation I want this next generation to taste and see that the Lord is good uh, and God is real uh, and it doesn't have to be mom and dad and grandma and grandpa's religion but thank God you can get a hold of it yourself uh, it can be as good to you uh, as it was the generations gone by I'm talking about the non-essential church no wonder they don't shout. They don't have anything to shout about. I'm saying tonight or this evening or this morning, the non-essential church, no sermon. You're not going to hear a message in a non-essential church. The preacher's not going to get up and preach on sin. He's not going to get up and name sin. He's not going to preach against drinking and smoking and gambling and adultery and fornication and movies and Hollywood and sodomy and romance novels and social media and lying and stealing and cheating, amen, and wine and pornography. He's not going to name those sins, but they ought to be preached on. Isn't that right? And if you're guilty of one of those sins, you need to get in this altar and get right with God today. Uh, before God sent you a message by. But I want to go to church uh, where a man of God will take the Bible, where he'll preach on sin, where he'll not just preach it generally, but he'll catalog it, name it. I need to be reminded that that is still sin. Amen. I need to be reminded that divorce is sin. I need to be reminded that, that, it, that Jesus said, whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery in his heart with her already. I need to be reminded. You say, preacher, are you that wicked? We're all that wicked, friend. I'm telling you, listen, when we get to the place to where we don't want to hear that kind of preaching, we're going to get in real trouble real fast. Amen. But I want to be, hey, I want to be in a church where I get under conviction over the message. I, I want to be in a church where God deals with my heart. I, I'm talking about in the non-essential church. I, you can come as you are and leave as you were and you never get convicted about anything. Hey, listen, you ought to, God wants to deal with our heart. Amen. Talking about the non-essential church, no sermon. What's interesting in this text here is how much Jesus knew about this church. Notice he knew the location of this church and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. That's interesting because he knew the pastor, that's the angel. He knew the people, that's the church. He knew the place, that's the location, the Laodicean. He knew this church on a local basis. You know, when Christ thinks about his bride, he don't think about it universally, but he thinks about it locally. He thinks about Bible Baptist Church. 
And he had a message for this church, just like he had a message for the church of Thyatira. And he had a church for the, a message for the church of Ephesus. And he has a message for the church of Laodicea. He has a message for the church of Bible Baptist. Amen. God works on a personal basis. And, and so he knew the location of this church. I'm glad we're not a statistic in heaven. God knows this church. He visits this church. He comes to this church. That's why I come to this church is because he comes to this church. Amen. And if he quit coming to this church, I'd quit coming to this church, wouldn't you? I, I want to go where he's going to go. You say, well, uh, Mamma and Papa was buried at that church. It doesn't matter, amen? If God ain't going back there, I'm not going back, amen? You say, well, my brother, my sister, my, uh, my parents go to that church. It doesn't matter. I want to go where God, church is about God. This is Mother's Day. Thank God for every mother. But you know that we celebrate our, our mothers and we ought to. Thank God for them, amen? And all that they've done. But you know that church is not about Father's Day and Mother's Day. I don't think there's nothing wrong with having those special things. But, but church is about Him. Isn't that right? Amen. He knew the location of this church. He knew the, notice He knew the labor of this church. I know thou works. Just because a, a church is busy doesn't mean that a church is blessed. His church was, well, he said, I know thy works. He said, thou art, God knew their works. They, he said, thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that that were cold or hot. He knew the works of this church. In other words, the temperature of this church. He knew that they wouldn't stand on either side of the fence, that, that they just wanted to stand in the middle. They just wanted to kindly be neutral, that they didn't want to offend nobody. They didn't want to, to make a mark in society. Now, I don't want to offend nobody, but you know that if you get on one side, that means that the other side is not going to be for what you're standing for. Isn't that right? And there's only two places to stand. You're either standing on God's side or you're standing on the the world side. And the Bible said whosoever would be a friend of this world is the enemy of God. Now I don't want to be, I don't want to join up with the enemy of God. Do you? I want to be on the right side. Amen. I want to be on the good side. I want to be on the blessed side. I want to be on the winning side. Amen. I'll tell you my friend, that's the side the church is on. But he knew their labor. He knew that they was a busy church but they was not a blessed church. Knew the labor of this church. He knew the he knew the lukewarmness of this church. Look at verse number sixteen. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'll spew thee out of my mouth. You know, don't be a wishy-washy Christian. Can I get if that's even a true phrase? You got to take a stand. Amen. You don't have to be a jerk about it. You don't have to be, uh, you know, uh, a Pharisee about it. Just be settled in what you believe. Know what you believe. Know why you believe it. And live what you believe. And you'll be a good testimony. Have the right motive for the glory of God. That's what it's all about. Not the recognition of man. But don't be ashamed. Don't back up. Don't bow your head when somebody goes a different route. Family or friends or somebody, a church member goes a different route. You stay the course and you hold fast uh, and you stand firm on what you know is right and you stay with the truth of the word of God. Don't be back and forth and up and down. Do you know anybody like that? I mean you ever met somebody that boy they're on fire for uh, one day but then the next day. I used to pastor not here. Probably have but can't remember one right now. I used to pastor a guy like that. I Listen first church I pastored you would know the guy. And he would come in. I'm telling you, listen, I could look at him and tell you what kind of service he was going to have. 
Because he came in one of the two ways. He came in either fired up, sitting on the front row, going to shout it out, or if he is mad, no reflection of y'all in the back, but he would come in and he would sit on the back. If he ever sat on the back row, I thought, oh, Lord. Can I confess to you? I thought, why did you even come? No sense in both of us being depressed. Amen. You couldn't help him when he came in like that. And I told him one day, he said, I just don't know what's wrong with me. I said, brother, I'm going to tell you what's wrong with, me, with, with, with you. You're too up and down. You're too on and off. You just got to make your mind up. You're going to serve God. You're going to have trials and troubles and heartaches, but the circumstances of life should not define you. It ought to reveal what's in you. Amen. It ought to let people see that you're steady in the good times and in the bad times, that God has not changed, that our strength uh, is from the Lord. Uh, but he knew the lukewarm of this church. I've never seen a time when preachers don't want to stand for what's right. Worried about a paycheck. Worried about the numbers on the board. Worried about what somebody's going to say or think. I'm telling you, we're living in a time and it's only going to intensify when you better know where you stand and what you believe. And if your best friend or family member on earth changes. You have to be determined. What are you going to do? Where are you going to stand? I'll say to this evening, this morning, he knew the labor, the lukewarmness. He knew the lies of this church. Look what they said in verse 17. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. Here's a church that said, hey, we're rich. We're increased with all kinds of goods. We don't need anything. We have a beautiful building. We have great facilities. We have tremendous programs. We have wonderful crowd. We, we have all types of functions and fellowships and, and plans and promotions and, and the church has got money in the bank and, and everything is, is good. We, we really don't need anything. I want to tell you, there's nothing wrong with having uh, money in the bank. There's nothing wrong with having nice facilities. There's nothing wrong with having things going on in the church. But I'm going to tell you the church ought to never get to the place where we don't look up and say, God, none of this matters. What we need is you. We need your presence. You can burn this building to the ground. You can shut every program down. But can I tell you something? The church can still go on. If we have the presence of God, they said they don't need anything. Amen. Can I tell you how true that is today? Uh, pastors will tell you this. I've turned some preachers' names in the last two or three years. And I got to noticing something in the churches, and not every church, but I have noticed used to when a church got without a pastor, here was their mentality. Oh, we got to pray. We got to go to God. Everybody, we got to get on our knees. We got to seek God. We need a pastor. We need a man of God. We need somebody to lead us. And, and boy, the church would earnestly pray, God, send us a man. Send us the right man. And the church got, got burdened. They didn't want to go very long without that. Not talking about getting in a hurry, making a quick decision, but the church was, was earnest about, we need a, a pastor, a preacher. We, we can't afford to go very long without a pastor, without a shepherd, an under-shepherd. You know how churches are today? Without a pastor, oh, we're doing pretty good. And we're, I've had churches call and say, hey, would you come, we'd like for you to come run a revival. Well, have your pastor call me. Well, we don't have a pastor. We had a pastor in two years, but we're doing great. 
We got a lot. God's blessing the church, and and we like you know something. I'm not preaching a revival for a church that don't have a pastor. Unless their pastor died or there's some circumstance where maybe the church needed some encouragement. But I'm telling you, if they're operating that good without a pastor, hey, listen, they've learned how to operate without God's authority and God's leadership. Amen. I'm telling you, and I told one church, I said, look, I, I would love to come. I'd be honored to come. But I'm just going to pray with you that you get a man of God. You need a pastor. You need somebody to lead you. I'm telling you, that's important. Amen. Preachers are not, we're just human. We're just flesh like everybody else. But God puts a call on a man's life. and God puts a touch on a man's life. He does, he's not Superman. He's not anything special in that sense. Uh, but God will give him wisdom. He'll give him leadership when he needs it beyond himself. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, friend, we're living in a time, uh, uh, listen, when churches today, uh, they think they don't need anything. And God said to this church, it's interesting, in verse 15, he said, I know. God knows everything about the church. And then in verse 17, he said, talking about them, that they know us not. Y'all think you don't need anything. God said, here's your, you don't know that you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. I don't ever want to get like that, do you? I don't ever want to see Bible Baptist Church get to the place where we're miserable. And when we come into church and it's just miserable. I've been in places like that. I was in a place like that one time for 10 months. And God wouldn't let me leave. And I said, God, please. He finally let me leave after 10 months. And I felt like I got raptured when I left that place. I'm telling you. It was one of the greatest days in my life. 10 months. It was just, just dead as a hammer. No presence of God and no, no touch of God. And it's miserable to go to church when God's not there. And poor, you can have money in the bank and be spiritually bankrupt. Isn't that right? I mean, listen, this isn't about money. Money's just a tool to send out missionaries. It's a tool to give the gospel. But you know church isn't about money. God don't need our money, but he uses our money uh, to build faith and to, and to bless us. But, but a church can have, uh, listen, they can have millions in the bank and be poor. And then on the other side, uh, I've seen churches, they didn't keep a lot of money but God passed a lot of money through there uh, so that it could be a channel to go out and get the gospel out but what they had was riches that money could not buy uh, you could go to church and, and feel the touch of God, amen yeah. when I think about a little old church in Tennessee on the side of the road on the side of a little ridge matter of fact it's called Ridgeview Baptist Church and you go in there, it probably don't seat 75 people, it looks like a little chapel I've never been to that church what I don't feel the presence of God and the pastor gets up and right there in the pulpit, he's got a big old plaque. I mean, the thing's about this big. Right there in the pulpit. And it says, if it ain't King James, it ain't Bible. Now, how do you think that goes with visitors? <laughs> I mean, they know from the moment they walk through the door what they've entered into. I might get me one of those. Amen. And it's right there on the front. And the pastor will get up and, and he's just kind of backwards, you know, a little bit starting out. And he'll, he'll just kind of, you know, mumble around a few minutes and talk. And, and the next thing you know, he'll be weeping and crying. And somebody over here will start weeping and crying. And, and, and Brother Danny, I think y'all may have been to that, this church. And, and, uh, and, and he'll start. And people, I'm talking about, talking about the presence of God. A little place on the side of the road. They got more than millions could ever buy. I'm talking about the the lies of this church. But you know what's amazing about this text? Here's a church that's non-essential. It's lost its influence. It's lost its, lost its touch. And for most of us, I'd be hey, close the door, shut her down. But you know what? God cares about the bride, don't he? Christ loves his bride. Jesus never gives up on the church. 
no matter how wicked, no matter how filthy, no matter how dirty it is, there's hope for any church. If any church would just follow his lead. You say, well, preacher, what's the remedy for a non-essential church? Look at it. Number one, it's listen to the counsel. Verse 18, I counsel thee. He had a word for this non-essential church. To buy of me gold, tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich. And he's talking about riches money can't buy. He said, uh, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed. You don't have to be naked. And the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes, eyes with eyes salve, that thou mayest see. He said, I want to open your eyes. I want to cover your nakedness. He said, I want, to, I want to bless you. I want to clean up your filthiness. If you'll just take my counsel. Do you know, no matter how far down a church may be, no matter how dirty a church may be, if people just listen to the Word of God, if they'll just take heed to the Word of God, it'll clean a church up. It'll open their eyes. You'd be amazed if preachers would mount the pulpit across this country once again, get back in the pulpits, not preach opinions, not preach ideas, not preach what they think or what they believe, but take this old black back book and just deliver it straight across the pulpit and preach the Word of God. We could clean this nation back up again. We could bring revival back. You know why? Because the preaching of the word of God stirs the hearts of men and demands a response and it'll do something in your life that nothing else will. You know, you take, a, you take an old hippie when he gets saved. He may not know John 3.16, but put him under some old time leather lung preaching. It'll clean him up. It'll make him do right. Hey, it'll put fire in your soul, won't it? I've been listening to a bunch of old preaching tapes here lately, converting them over. And old singings and or old songs and and uh, I'm gonna tell you, I found out something in the last couple of weeks, Brother Barnes. I've not been preaching hard enough. I mean, I I listened to the preachers get up and preach, and and I'll tell you, I thought I felt plumb under conviction. I've been easy on y'all way too much. This ain't nothing but a sugar stick this morning. You say, oh, preacher, I'll give you some tapes, let you listen to them. And I was listening to them old-time preachers, and I thought, you know what? God, help me. Help me just to buckle down a little bit more. And God, help you to buckle down a little bit more. Help us all, Lord. I'm telling you, we live in such a weak, anemic society. This modern world, I'm talking about this modern church world, they can't take a thimble full of preaching nowadays. You say one little thing and it just, uh, it just offends some of them because uh, they're not used to it. But I thank God for them old war horses uh, that prayed all night long and got a hold of heaven and mounted a pulpit with a burden and they preached the Bible and they preached against sin. Amen pointed their finger right in your face. Brother, I'm telling you, I can't count the times Brother Sammy Allen has spit all over me. Amen. I remember one time over in that building, he preached a message. And for five minutes, Brother Allen, y'all were, I'm sure y'all were there. For five minutes, he, he preached about this close to my face on soap operas. And he told me, he said, you know you're not right with God watching them things. I thought, preacher, I don't watch them. I promise. I don't watch Hell's Hospital and One Life to Lose and all those, you know, all them, all, you know, as the world burns, all them, all them old soap. I was like, I'm not watching them. He's preaching to me like I was the only, like, like somebody told him. I watched him things. Spit all over me. I was as wet as he was. <laughs> I thank God for that. Go miss them men when they're gone. Now, 
hope you don't take this wrong. By the grace of God, I want to be just like them. Because they're holy men of God. I'm not saying I'm a holy man of God, but I want to be a holy man of God. And I want you to be a holy man and a holy woman of God. But it takes preaching, don't it? It takes preaching that demands a response. It takes preaching that gets under this flesh and irritates it. I told somebody in a parking lot a while ago, I said, man, I, I don't ever preach a message of what I don't put myself under conviction. There's always something there that I feel like I need to repent over. Amen. I'm talking about, listen, don't ever get mad at preaching. Don't ever stub up at it. Don't ever say, well, that's not for me or that's for somebody else. No, you take it. You swallow it. Amen. It may not taste good going down, but if you'll just digest it, if you'll let it help you, I promise you it'll change your life. You'd be glad you did. You'd be glad you did. I, I remember, you know, now everybody's got cell phones. But I remember, and some of y'all do too, I remember preachers getting up saying, you teenagers, if I see you pass a note, I'm going to read it to the whole church. Y'all remember that? I didn't even want to take sermon notes. Amen. Because <laughs> they meant it. They come down to your pew. Thank God for preaching. You know, you say, what was wrong with them? They cared. They cared. They weren't preaching for a salary. They wasn't preaching for a pat on the back. They was preaching with a burden for the souls of men to keep somebody out of hell, to keep somebody off a road of destruction. Uh, they knew that if you didn't have hard preaching, if you didn't preach on sin, they knew the church would stray. They knew the church would get dirty. They knew the world would storm the doors of the church uh, and the presence of God would be gone. Uh, oh, my soul, how we need it again. Uh, we need some men of God uh, that'll preach against sin once again. Amen. Amen. Listen to the counsel. Preachers don't know everything. But we preach out of a book that does, don't we? Learn from the chastisement. Look at verse 19. Look what he said. I love this verse. He said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. He loved his church. A church that was miserable, wretched, naked, poor, and blind. He said, I've rebuked your church. But I'm rebuking, and rebuking you in love. And all the old saying is, if people know you love them, you can preach to them. And I'm going to tell you, there's been times the Holy Spirit has so rebuked my heart. I remember one time I said something, and it no longer, it no, no, had no longer rolled off my tongue, and the Holy Ghost said, don't ever say that again. Now, I wasn't cussing. But what I said, the Holy Ghost said, don't you ever say that again. Boy, put fear in my soul. Has he ever taught you like that? Sometimes I went to do something. I'm not talking about deep, dark, gross sin, but I went to do and the Lord would say, don't you do that. And you don't need to do that. I'm telling you. I like it when he talks to me like that. He said, well, and then there's times he took me to the woodshed. You ever got a whipping from God and you knew exactly why every whipping we've ever got was that way, wasn't it? Now, there might be somebody here who said, well, preacher, I, he never whipped me. Well, that just means you're not saved. Because the Bible said he scourgeth every son whom he loveth. God loves us too much to let us live out in sin the way we want to. The devil let his children run any way they want to and destroy their lives and go to hell. But God, he goes after his children. 
When that sheep goes astray, God goes after them. You get on a plane, fly to the other side of the world, but before you land on that runway, he'll be standing at the end of it waiting on you when you get there. You can run, but you can't hide if you belong to him. He's already there. And I'm telling you, God knows how to send messages in ways that we could never even dream. You say, well, I got a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter, and they're not even thinking about God. You don't know what runs through their mind in the wee hours of the night and in the early hours of the morning. You don't know what message they're hearing or who God is putting in their path. I I promise you all the preaching and the teaching and the Bible reading is not in vain because the Word of God never returns void. It'll run you down like a bloodhound. Amen. If you're saved by the grace of God, that book will find you and God will find you and you can never be happy living in sin if you're saved. You'd be miserable, won't you? Till you find that peace and rest. Listen, learn from the chastisement. You know, they sometimes my dad whipped me in a way. He only had to whip me one time. And I knew I'd never get that whipping again. It didn't mean it wasn't my last whipping, but it wasn't, it wasn't going to be over that no more. I promise you that. I'm talking about learn from the chastisement. Let Christ come into the church. Look at verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man... You know, some people say, and in context, this verse is written to the church. And some people say, well, you can't use that as a soul winner's verse, but you can because the Bible said, Behold, I stand at the door every man's heart. The door of every man is at his heart. And he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And notice this, If any man hear my voice and open the door, he said, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. If any man... I'm going to tell you something. He that hath an ear, let him hear. God, if he knocks on a person's heart, if he knocks on their door, if they'll open, he'll come in. Amen. Sad commentary in the text that he's on the outside trying to get him to church. But thank God he didn't give up. He was wanting to come in. A church, the church can have revival if people want to have revival. And then let me say this. Listen to the call. Look what he said in verse 22. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit said to the church. You know... A non-essential church is a church where you never hear the voice of God. You may have a lot of fun. You may have a lot of good fellowship. And you may have a formality to it. But there's no drawing power. There's no voice speaking. You know what makes this place precious? I was thinking about one night we were sitting here in service. And a man of God was preaching. And I could tell he was struggling. I knew he was struggling. And sometimes we just do. Wasn't you, wasn't him. It just happens. But I could tell he was struggling preaching. I said, God, please help him. Please help him. And when it come to the end of that message, you could just, I mean, God just touched his message there at the end. And, and, and people started coming to the altar before the invitation was given. Now, I'm not saying it because of my prayer. I'm saying it that the voice of God spoke. Preacher was preaching the word. He was struggling. But when that voice speaks to people's hearts, they'll respond. They'll make a move. I want to tell you, I thank God we're at a church where I still hear his voice. I'm glad I can come to church and still hear from heaven. I didn't hear from the preacher. I heard from heaven. Amen. 
I want to come to church and look beyond the preacher and look, is, what is God saying to me? I'm going to tell you what he's saying to my heart this morning. I don't want to be a non-essential church, amen? I don't want to let what has happened over the past seven weeks cause uh, us to cool down or I don't want this to be the new normal. I said it last Sunday. I want to say it again. Don't ever get used to not going to church on Sunday night. Don't ever get used to not going to church on Wednesday night. That ought to bother you. You say, but I can get a lot of things done. If there was what's undone, amen, in our life. We need church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Don't let this be the new normal. Don't backslide. Don't drift. You say, well, I have drifted on God. I'll be honest and get right today and hear his voice. Get right with God now while you still can this morning. Non-essential church. Do you know that the lifeline of your church, this church, the lifeline of this church depends on you. You. Not me. You. Now it does depend on me. But you can't look at a church and say, well, boy, if I, if, as long as the preacher stays in touch with God, no. It ain't built on a preacher, is it? Well, we got some good deacons, and we do. But it ain't built on them. I tell you, this church is built on a membership. I want to ask you a personal question. I want it to be personal to you this morning. I want it to be personal. Are you right with God? Are you where you ought to be at? Have you slacked up a little bit? Hey, some of you, some in the 9 o'clock, some in the 1 o'clock, I want you to know, I'm going to say to you what I'd say to them. I'm praying for you. I want to see you get as close to God as you can. Amen. I don't want you to drift on the Lord. Don't get lazy. Don't get slack. And if he speaks to you, this altar's open as we stand. You can come to the altar. You can pray in your seat. Our heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. I don't know what he would speak to you about. But if he talks to you, do business with him. Do business with him. He... Let it be personal to you this morning. You don't have to come because I'm giving an invitation, but if he talks to you, he puts his finger on something in your life, you ought to come. You ought to come. You ought to say, Lord, help me. Help me. You ought to sit down there in your seat. If you don't feel comfortable to use all, you ought to get in your seat and pray. Get on your knees. Something about getting on your knees. Now, some people can't. I understand that. If they have to sit down physically, they can't. There's something about getting on your knees. Sometimes I'll pray and the Lord will tell me that. He'll say, won't you get on your knees and pray? While you still can. While you still can. If you're not able, the Lord understands that. But there's something about bowing on your knee and bowing your head, humbling ourselves and saying, Lord, I need your help. That's essential. Very essential. God, I need you. Lord, I, need, I need to be close to you. You could be the key to revival in your home, your family, church. I could be. We could be just by being close to Him. Father, Lord, thank You for the liberty to preach. God, I pray I didn't say anything that would grieve You. Thank You for Your people. Lord, for their faithfulness. Lord, I, I don't think I've ever been more thankful for our church, for all the effort that, that they've put forth in giving and being faithful. And I thank you for every member of Bible Baptist. I pray you'll bless them, bless their families, bless their homes, bless their children. God, I pray that you'll bless their finances. God, I pray most of all, bless them spiritually. Lord, when we 
I believe in a few weeks we'll be back, but Lord, I pray that when we come back that we'll just stay in a spirit of revival, that our church will just thrive. God, I pray that there'd never be said a Bible Baptist church that we're non-essential. Lord, I pray that the God, that we would have influence in this community to sinners and, and around. God, that you'd be pleased. Lord, help us. We, we're needy people, God. We need you. Bless us, oh God. If you don't bless us, Lord, if you don't bless us, God, we're in real trouble. We need you, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for helping us this morning. In Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen.